Oh, well, hello and welcome back to the Y Comics Podcast, where we talk about the comics that we all love and sometimes the careers that make them. I'm your host, Jesse, and with me today is an artist behind the books like Rick and Morty versus Dungeons and Dragons, the Powerpuff Girls, and creator owns like Angor Napkin and the Golden McGuffin. It's Troy Little. Hey there. And also with me today is the artist behind books like My Little Pony and Agretzico. It's Brenda Hickey. Hello. How's it going? I'm so glad that both of you are uh, on because I don't ever really get artists on because artists are so busy. <laughs> <laughs> no kidding. She's on a deadline right now, but, uh, you know, it's late here. So, yeah, I'm too tired that even if I wasn't doing this, I'd probably just be like brain dead <laughs> scrolling my phone. <laughs> yeah, you guys are always on such a tight schedule. So like I reach, I've reached out to a few artists and they're like, yeah, I got like six books going on. And I'm like, I don't know how you're doing that first off, but two, I'm like, no problem. I understand. <laughs> Or <laughs> like all the writers I usually get, they're like, yeah, I'm like 16 scripts and I'm good. I can, I can talk for a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Um, so yeah, thank you guys for coming on. Uh, I just really want to start off with both of you. Where are your guys' origin points in comics? Where did you guys first fall in love with the medium? And like, what was the first comic you guys both uh, really enjoyed and like thought, oh, maybe I want to do this? All right. I'll, I'll let you start. Trump. Me? Okay. Um, <laughs> I was I was like a spinner rack comic kid in like the late 70s early 80s kind of thing so mm -hmm. we didn't have a lot of we didn't have a comic shop here in where I'm from here in the east coast of Canada so we were just kind of what you got off the spinner rack was the best you could do uh, I, I can remember picking up I think it was Star Wars number seven while I was in the doctor's office or waiting to go to the doctor's office uh, I've been a lifelong Star Wars fan so it's no surprise there um, but I would just tended to really like cartoons and comic books where my dad would try to put me in hockey or, or get me to do some kind of sport related thing. Uh, I just wanted to watch Saturday morning cartoons. Um, and, you know, eventually I started discovering things like Sergio Aragones and Crack Magazine and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and all those things. And I got a, a mail subscription from, from New Brunswick and a province over from where we're at. And I just started getting comics every month that way until we had our own shop finally. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's just been a lifelong thing for, for comics and cartoons. Um, I went to school for illustration in, in Ontario, thinking I would eventually get into animation, which I, which I did for a lot of years. I did storyboards and a lot of TV shows and stuff here up in the north. Mm -hmm. uh, before kind of just delving into independent publishing, when I learned about self-publishing through you know, Cerebus and Bone and, and Strangers in Paradise, that that was an option. Uh, it kind of got me thinking, wow, I could, you know, actually make my own comic books and started making my own comic books then. Um, made it a full-time job with Powerpuff Girls. I haven't really gone back to doing a whole lot of animation since then. And uh, a few books under my belt now. <laughs> <laughs> and you, Brenda? Oh, me. Where does my comic journey begin? <laughs> I have a kind of a bizarre entry into comics because growing up, I didn't have a ton of comics. I might have read the comics in the newspaper, like Garfield and For Better or Worse, that sort of thing. And of course, we had a one, one section of our shelf was all Archie comics. So that was kind of my exposure to the medium. And um, I actually credit, I'm, I'm from a big family and two of my sisters, so we we kind of banded together to make the three of us that would just make stories all the time. Mm -hmm. And they would write these really big epic chapter books. I think I was only like 
in grade one when we started to really get into this stuff. And I was really inspired by my sisters who were writing these chapter books and we would draw characters to go with them. So there'd be like little spot illustrations throughout these chapter books. And I couldn't get myself to write like the, the prose stuff like them. I was like, I'm not really interested in that, but like, tell me what character you want me to draw and I'll, I'll do that. But I did love the storytelling aspect. And um, a lot of my, a lot of my drawing influences were from Disney cartoons back then. And when Sailor Moon hit the airwaves, I was in love. And so I was like, my drawing started to look more Sailor Moon anime. And then I found out Sailor Moon had a comic book and it blew my mind. I was like, I need this comic book. Where do I get my hands on this comic book? And that's when I really started to seek comic books out, like specifically because I was like, I need the Sailor Moon one, of course, there's no question. And back then, uh, Tokyo Pop was called Mixine and they mm. would do little anthology comics. So that got me into like Magic Knight Rare Earth and Cardcaptor Sakura because they published them side by side in anthologies and all the, the clamp manga. So I was there at the manga boom, I was all in. <laughs> I was like, I, yes, I love this, I'm all in. And I started to copy the drawings from the comics, from the manga. And I found out, you know, my sisters like to do these books but I like to tell the stories when there's more pictures. <laughs> so it just clicked and made sense. And my sisters and I kind of all did comics for a while and we'd like exchange them and read each other's comics. And, but like Troy said, there wasn't a ton of comic shops. So we didn't really get, um, we didn't have a huge amount of access to it. And because I was from a big family and we couldn't travel a lot, I couldn't go to all the other provinces and like scour their comic shops. Um, yeah, but I think throughout my elementary school to high school career, I did like 62 chapters of this ongoing story. Like wow. I was like super into it. I'd wake up at like six in the morning before going to school and draw, draw, draw. And then I go to school, come home, draw, 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 draw. Like I was just totally all in. And uh, yeah, up till high school, I was just, that's all I did with my time. I was like always that weird kid carrying this binder around school because it was full of all the comics I drew um yeah and uh you were born to make comics i've never <laughs> seen you yeah, yeah. she's got binders and binders and binders filled with hundreds and hundreds of pages of comics she did when she was a kid yeah it's bizarre but <laughs> do, you, um, do you ever think about redoing those and putting them out yourself now in any way i, I mean, mean so i know there are like stuff you made as a kid but i always like kind of mm -hmm. as a writer go back to some of the ideas i had as a kid i'm like you know what? that's actually kind of a good idea though yeah yeah whenever i was ready to kind of take it from just being a kid and doing it as a hobby and like, I'm like, I found out about indie comics, like Troy, like the creator owned mm -hmm. and Faith Aaron Hicks was doing stuff. I found Persepolis. I found, like, I started finding books cause I was kind of like the manga thing after a while, you want more, like yeah. it's kind of the same thing, kind of the same tropes and the same storylines. And you're like, I feel like I'm outgrowing this now and I want more. And I, the mm -hmm. indie comics like Faith Hicks, you could tell she had a similar background, grew up on manga and, all these things so I was kind of drawn to that it's like all oh, other people out there are like me and they grew up on this stuff and they're making their own books and Persepolis was a very personal story made by one person so that made sense to me I'm like I love this and so actually I did my first trying to be professional comic was this web comic I did called In the Air which was kind of a reboot of my high school story so I tried that for a few years and 
then did Halls of the Turnip King, started that when I was done volume one of In the Air, just kind of kept rolling with that. And um, yeah, I wanted to make it, I wanted to make it a career finally. I'm like, look, I think I'm doomed. <laughs> Maybe I should try to make this my, my thing I do to make money and pay the rent. So that's when My Little Pony came around, around the time Troy got Powerpuff Girls. We kind of like pitched IDW the same time and ended up on this, the path at the same time, like in the professional yeah. licensed comic world and got on the My Little Pony train and kind of did Halls of the Turnip King on the side and eventually self-published it through our Pegamoose Press imprint and as our first book, Troy's yeah. and Mine, our imprint. And um, yeah, and then I got on a Gretz Go, which of course, going back to my anime manga, yeah, right, like it felt very much like a job I could do. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, sign me up for that one, please. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much my comic story. Yeah, I was working on uh, storyboards for Paw Patrol mm -hmm. and I hated it so much <laughs> I hated my life mm -hmm. and and I, I basically quit with no alternative but to like yeah. reach out to IDW they published a few of my books um, like my early Angor Napkin books and, and Kiroskiro mm -hmm. uh, and just said do you guys have anything I can do you know they were doing very much Transformers and G.I. Joe stuff but I really wasn't in my wheelhouse uh, I just lucked out to be right place at the right time that they had gotten a license for Cartoon Network and were looking for a Powerpuff Girl artist. And I jumped on and just like, oh, can I write it? I'm a big fan. Can I draw mm -hmm. it? Can I color it? Can I letter it? Can I do everything? And they're like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> but yeah, it was right around that time too that My Little Pony was starting to happen and IDW was getting a bit more of that kind of cartoony mm -hmm. uh, line of, of stuff that's a bit more what me and Brenda would be kind of drawn to doing. Yeah, and with my my love of, again, like Sailor Moon and Magical Girl stuff, My Little Pony is just like that, but with ponies was what mm -hmm. I felt like. So it's like, I, I want to do that because it's kind of kind of got my personality all over it. So I was pretty pretty excited to get that one too. as my first thing. I had no idea the doors it would open up. I was just kind of like, that looks cute. Oh, I'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> and fun. And yeah, I like the stories and characters. And it ran for 102 issues. Yeah, it just wrapped up 102 issues. Nine year run. Nine year run. So the team, yeah, they're they, all they reminiscing. Yeah, they couldn't believe it. Yeah. I remember the editor was telling us at San Diego Comic Con mm -hmm. when it was first launching after a few beers, like, mm -hmm. this, this gravy train ain't gonna last, you guys, 20 mm -hmm. issues max. Yeah. Boy, was he wrong. Yeah, 102 on the main series and then like all the side series and things. I don't even know how much total My Little Pony would have for issues. It's crazy. Yeah, it's a lot. Yeah. What an introduction to professional comics, I'll tell you. <laughs> yeah, having the series run that long as your first like big professional book is crazy. Yeah, so bonkers. Um, I, I have a, I always have a thing where I think licensed books uh, are the backbone of comic books right now like a lot of people talk about how like man the comic book industry is kind of like falling which I, I that I don't think is true at all but like are like the big two like aren't the same as they used to be I'm like well the thing is like you're right a lot of like Marvel DC and Image and stuff is all writing for adults even mm -hmm. the most iconic characters like Spider-Man, Batman, Superman they're all adults writing books for adults still mm -hmm. and so these licensed books like My Little Pony and the Powerpuff Girls um are the only books that are really out there for kids to kind of get into other than some of like the action lines and stuff that are for kids. Mm -hmm. And so 
uh, hearing your guys' like passion behind these, I'm like, yeah, these are like, this is the like lifeblood of the comic book industry. Mm-hmm. People just don't really see it because they don't think about them because these are cartoons turned into comic books. I'm like, those Invaders in books sell a ton. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 If you're not getting new readers, then, you know, the old readers aren't always going to be around. You need to, to start fostering new people. Like with all the media that's available and out there, uh, comic books is a real niche thing mm-hmm. to begin with you know even more niche now so yeah you better find a way to get new readers or somebody hooked on comics young <laughs> they're yeah. not you're not going to have a much of an industry someday yeah and it's, it always kind yeah. of oh sorry oh no it always, kind of, um, it always kind of makes me a little bit frustrated too when people think comics is a genre not a medium they're like mm-hmm. oh comic books is superheroes and it's like well yes they're a big portion of it but it's a medium guys you can tell any story you want like it's mm-hmm. not limited to one thing and one size like it's for everybody and yeah the medium's just got so much potential and if you just kind of think outside the box a little bit you just get really excited what comics can do and, yeah. the direct market is yeah. one thing it's it's kind of dominated by mm-hmm. marvel and dc but the actual book market is you know mm-hmm astronomically larger than marvel and dc with what yeah. they're selling to kids directly mm-hmm. um yeah when you see like um like smile how well yes. that did you know mm-hmm. <laughs> it just kind of like broke all the barriers down for that yeah and, and like the the collections of these licensed materials like they re- get repurposed and they get smaller and shrunk down and they'll mm-hmm. sell like the gangbusters too so maybe the singles don't sell like massive but on the book side they're going to sell huge when you go to like a barnes and noble and kids like oh i see my little pony in the collection i want that book mm-hmm. yeah yeah i was like the, the collected books and, and graphic novels and stuff just to get more bang for your buck more story yeah yeah you know? and you can display it on a shelf whereas you know the, the issues are fun but you file them away in a long in a long box and it's you kind of forget about them a bit oh, and they're yeah. a little tougher if you're like getting kids to read them too like the, like mm. single issues can get kind of blasted away with like my nieces and nephews but if i give them a little trade those will last a little longer yeah, yeah for sure yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah we got nathan what the batman and the ninja turtles crossover that idw put out we got a issue one our, nathan's our little kid mm-hmm. and yeah, the pages are already falling out oh yeah yeah and, and our teens were really big into invader zim mm-hmm. and sonic the hedgehog and mm-hmm. stuff you know so yeah. yeah, no, we're we're doing our best to try and keep it alive, at least in our little corner of the world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, for uh, you, try how how was it to get the kind of the Rick and Morty license and then be able to do it with Dungeons and Dragons? That was pretty crazy, uh, and and very unexpectedly out of nowhere. When when Jim Zub, um, the writer, uh, mm-hmm. just came on board one day with me and just said, "Hey, what do you think about doing this with me and Patrick Rothfuss?" And I mean, yeah, I hadn't. I hadn't even watched Rick and Morty at the time so I didn't know if I would like this show because somebody showed me a clip one time and I thought the clip was really dumb and it was like this is poorly animated and just sounds like it's ad-libbed so I didn't know I'd like it I said well let me watch a few episodes and see what I think if it's something that I would actually enjoy doing or if it's gonna be some like awful Beavis and Butthead thing and Mm -hmm. but about three or four episodes in it kind of like the show found its groove and it clicked with me and I was like, oh, this is actually kind of subversively brilliant in a lot of ways. Um, and as much as the animation might be stiff and awkward, they do a heck of a job with the designs and mm-hmm. and they keep it moving pretty quick. So it doesn't just hang on that kind of stiff marionette posing. So I was like, all right, yeah, I, I think I could do this. Um, but I, you know, putting it in the D&D world was nice because then I could kind of add my own visual flavor to it where I had to like 
make versions of the characters in D&D costumes and I put a little bit more, you know, I guess, dimension on the characters than just having them as, as flat as they are in the show and try to give it, I always try to capture the expressive nature of animation in a comic. I know Brenda does this with the Gretzko, you know, um, mm -hmm. you're, you're taking a static image and trying to make it feel alive. So it can't look exactly like the show or it's just gonna look kind of dead on the page. So having having the D and D kind of angle where I could just kind of create my own environments and, and character designs really helped me just kind of like make it my own, and and that's something that's really important. I think both me and Brenda is just having that kind of ownership over what we we do and put our stamp on stuff. Mm -hmm. And D and D a lot of fun. Like mm -hmm. holy smokes, that yeah. that whole series was so fun. And Jim and Patrick were so smart with the writing. Like just Jim's got the. He just nails the voice of the characters so well and he really gets the DD world like nobody else mm -hmm. so i mean you couldn't pick a better team for that i'm privileged to be able to work with those guys on it it's it's one of those things where like you guys being able to do these uh licensed cartoons and being able to do like your own independent stuff when it comes to like superhero books versus license or like like comic strip kind of books the, with uh hero cape stuff it's very much you have to keep it kind of a serious style for the most part. I think about um, Riley Rosmo doing like Harley Quinn and Martian Manor stuff. He got to have, he gets to have a lot of fun with his stuff because of his style. Mm -hmm. But with you guys, you guys basically get to be like, you know, we get to basically be off model every page if we want to, because that's the purpose of these things. They have to be goofy and outrageous and exaggerated. And do you guys get that, have a lot of fun doing like the expressiveness of everything? Yeah. Yeah. I love making the characters act. I think that's a big part, definitely mm -hmm. for you. Like, and yeah, I guess me too. Yeah, yeah you definitely make them act. Making yeah. them act is like, mm -hmm. you could just draw a bunch of head shots. And, but if the characters aren't acting, you know, that's kind of our job in a way is to, to try to convey the emotion of what they're saying or their expression and their body language. Yeah, you want the reader to really feel the dialogue yeah. through the imagery because it's like if somebody's saying something that's kind of dramatic but they don't have a lot going on in their face it's like how do you really read that emotion mm -hmm. the words i don't know they just don't read the same but if someone's like you got them bug-eyed and screaming then you really feel their panic so yeah. you're like oh perfect it's, like, it's just really fun to think like how can i do this creatively like you make somebody scream five times in a book how can i do it different the fifth time from the first time and yeah like do the nuance in it and yeah. you don't want to copy and paste and yeah. have stock kind of drawings yeah. sort of thing we also have the, the luxury of being able to design the page so mm -hmm. you can use the panels and the layouts to help kind of emphasize you know an emotion if you want to amplify something up and you start doing like diagonal shots or, or really thin shots you know as opposed to just the widescreen yeah type of formats yeah that's one thing i learned from manga is the different shapes of the panels because they do layout page layout so differently in manga a lot of tall panels and stuff and like breaking out of the panel borders and so i really like to play with that when i do my designs too mm. but also keep very much in mind like how a north american would read because they're not going to read like a manga would read so i'm like okay make sure you apply manga design without like making it unreadable for your north american audience and stuff so yeah uh but working on a Gretzico, like that is a japanese property that's like being used now in the u.s for like the idw stuff and uh just netflix has it huge and there's a bunch of merchandise here how is it working on a property though like do you have to communicate anywhere with like 
the Japanese side of stuff, like the the animation departments over in the, like the anime or the licensing holders? Not really, no. It's mostly um, the editors in between, between Sanrio and myself. Mm -hmm. There was one, mo one instant, though, like on the first issue I worked on, I created this character, this Canada goose named Karen, who's like super annoying to be a foil for Retsko. And um, um, I, I did a couple designs for her and I guess it wasn't quite fitting the look of it. So my editor's like, oh, the, the Japanese team actually wants to design this character for you. So they'll take what you've got, but like make it a bit more fitting to the show. And so I was like, okay, that's cool. So I was kind of excited. I was like, oh, what are they gonna bring me back? Like, how are they gonna make my character look even better and I really liked what they did to it like I had this little stout looking goose in a pantsuit and they like kind of classed it up and I was like perfect so anyway I was writing the next book like the full original graphic novel called Little Ray of Sunshine and so I had the, the full story there like not just issues but like a full 70 page graphic novel Mm -hmm. And I was creating new characters for this one too, like the new villain and, you know, this band that Retzko liked back in the day. And so I was designing them and I was thinking, oh, I wonder how Sanrio is going to like class these ones up. It's going to be so much fun. And then the editor's like, yeah, Sanrio likes the designs you did. They're not going to touch them. I'm like, what? <laughs> and then they never touched them again. So I was like, oh, okay. That's a little different. I don't know why they wanted to change the one. Maybe the little stout pantsuit goose was just too weird I don't know <laughs> they're like no the other ones are good you, you caught on to the style now it's like oh okay <laughs> so yeah that's kind of the only the only time that I actually kind of like had something I did be affected by the Japanese studio but I think yeah. uh, your, your interest in Japanese culture for your whole life really lends mm -hmm. to your being able to write at Gretzko well I think mm. um and and to really kind of get what Sanrio is doing with the show and translate mm -hmm. that to comics. So, mm -hmm. I mean, I, I get the privilege of getting a sneak peek every day of what <laughs> she's doing uh, long before it ever hits the shelves. And it's just so much fun. Uh, <laughs> I, like I'm excited just for other people to see it when it finally comes out. I, yeah, that, I, I guess that is a bonus for you too. Like you get this, like get previews of like the next big project and like your guys' mm -hmm. stuff is so much fun because I uh, I did a nice uh, marathon read through Comixology like th this week. And I was like, this is just a good time. Like I've been so in <laughs> engrossed into like big two and independent, like dark independent books. I'm like, I just, I just need to laugh. <laughs> I need, I need to relax. Nice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> nice once in a while to take a load off. And <laughs> yeah. Get rid of the grim dark for a while and have a fun comic book for a change. Yeah. <laughs> Since you guys uh, get to design so much stuff for this, because like, uh, I don't know if anybody listening knows that like a lot of licensed cartoon comics, they don't really pull a lot from like episodes. They don't, re they don't recreate episodes. That's usually what I think some people think when they see like, oh, there's a Invader Zimmer, Rick and Morty or My Little Pony. Like these are just the episode type of things. So, like you guys get to create a whole like universe within this show that like no one really gets to see very often because it's in the comic it's not going to ever really be pulled into the show like it happens every once in a while but not super often mm -hmm. um so do you guys like just let, love just being able to go kind of wild with the designs of the stuff because you're like this is now my little world inside a world I, I find like when i was doing the powerpuff girls um i was trying to treat it like a uh like a special episode kind of thing like it, it should hopefully feel familiar enough to be like the show but something you haven't seen before. 
So you have that kind of reverence for the original source material, but you're trying to create something new with it as well. Uh, and that was a lot of fun because when I did the Powerpuff Girls, the, the show had been off the air for a decade. There'd been no new comics. It was the first new Powerpuff Girl anything in a decade. And so a little bit of my plan was just to like how many, I want to bring back all the characters, all the mm -hmm. villains all at once. How can I write a story just to kind of showcase as many people and characters that we haven't seen in so long. And that was a little bit of the, the impetus for how I kind of began that tale. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. My Little Pony, the comics, like I didn't do any writing for the My Little Pony comics, but the the stories that I'd get paired up with and the writers I got paired up with, especially Jeremy Whitley, he would really push the boundaries of the world and explore new places. So it was a lot of fun to illustrate the books that he would write because because he does kind of love that that lore and in his storytelling that the, the editor usually would be like, oh, we're gonna do a story about the villain's pasts or something. Like, I know you love that stuff. So I'll let you do that assignment sort of thing. And yeah, so I got on some of the, this one mini series called Legends of Magic. And I'd say that's probably my most fun I had with the ponies. Just the cast was a lot of fun. Like I love the main six a lot, don't get me wrong. But they're all kind of the same size, you know, they just mm -hmm. hair swap and color swap. But the Legends of Magic characters, you get the big Viking dude and then you get the tall, skinny wizard and you got a couple girl ponies. One of them's like an old woman pony. So she's a little bit of a different style. So it's like they had varying shapes and sizes. And I really like to play with that and to just kind of have some variety visually. And then, of course, you explore the, the ancient worlds that they occupied because this was like old My Little Pony history. So it's like you get to explore where this character came from and they had the Viking village or this one and they had like, you know, she lived in like the bayou sort of thing, this character. So it was a lot of fun to do that and design different places and really lend your, your visual flair as best you could to this thing. Like if anything, the, like the, the Brony fans, they were very, very appreciative and loving of all this stuff. So you feel like, oh, whatever I create, like they're going to really be paying attention mm -hmm. and I hope to make them happy with this. So, and that they'll, they'll enjoy this and, and immersing in my version of the world. Like it was, it was fun. It's a good spinoff because it, it did yeah. get free you up um, completely from kind of the sticking mm -hmm. to the show canon in a way and creating yeah. its own spinoff. Yeah. Yeah. They were a lot of fun. Yeah. I mean, I did love the slice of life stuff with like the main six and the spirit of the forest miniseries that had like the little sister characters and a bit of an environmental story by Ted Anderson. He wrote that. And I, I enjoyed that too. But yeah, you like you like variety. So I'm like, oh, but I yeah, like that Legends of Magic a lot. <laughs> I think it's like talking about like the like the difference in the storytelling too. It's like these are comics that I hope that people realize like are for everybody like mm -hmm. adults and like kids both can enjoy it because like I had a blast reading them as I said before and I think there's also like a little bit of gun shyness like I, I don't want to buy even like a Rick and Morty book there's like some like I don't feel like buying a license book because I don't want to seem like mm. like a nerd <laughs> even though you're like buying a comic <laughs> to begin with but there's that yeah. weird stigma with licensed property that's that, that's even nerdier than yeah. regular comics for some reason for adults yeah. um and like this this is like this is a whole different other feel than the show. Like it still has the show, but like if it, it read, these always read more like comics than you expect. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's always nice. Like you always say, you're, you're probably somebody's first comic, you know, when we're mm -hmm. at a comic convention mm -hmm. yeah. and Brenda's table in particular, gets a good variety of, of people, like very small. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to, 
full-on costume brony dudes yeah 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 it's a good time it's a good time (laughs) but yeah you do get um some parents coming up to your table too at conventions and they're there with their little kid and the parent has this copy of this beat up old issue of my little pony or beat up old collected volume and they're just like you know I just wanted to let you know how much I appreciated you guys making this because my kid is learning to read with it or they they were averse to reading until we got this comic and now they're reading everything because the comic kind of got them hooked Mm -hmm. on reading everything and so it just feels really good to be that that you know that spark that might make somebody want to really engage in stories and comics and you know books beyond yeah so, yeah it's really cool feeling getting a getting a well-loved copy of your book comes yes. to you to get signed or something is yeah. pretty great <laughs> and only a kid can love a book till it falls apart like yeah. that yeah I'm not gonna get it cgg cgc slab no. <laughs> no no they've read it and they've yeah. read it a lot so it's almost night nice. i don't know i like seeing i like seeing that it's, yeah there, there's a the death there's a, there's a few books I have in my collection from I had when I was a kid and like, they're like, there's no covers on them or anything. So I like, I try to like make sure my collection is catalogs. So I kind of know what's in there. So like trying to figure out like what issue was, there's no cover. I don't know what issue was. Like the first page is there. So I can like read the copyright and maybe figure it out that way. Right. Um, but I don't want to ever like, like me myself, like I kind of don't like grading books. Uh, I think it's a, a little bit of a waste of money. Um, but also in my mind, I never think about selling books or reselling books. So like when, whenever I get like a signed book, it's like this, I want to read this again. Like, I just hope, you know, like this isn't just going to get sealed away into a vault somewhere. Like it's going back into my long box and I'm going to reread it when I get around to that again. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. I've, I've been dying to like, my, my long box has got buried somewhere, but I've been wanting to pull out the max series for mm, yeah. years to reread that because it's been so long. Mm-hmm. And I loved that series so much. That was a real for me, it was like a mentally breaking through issue, like reading those, it's like, oh my God, this is what comics can do. Mm-hmm. Um, and then seeing the, the MTV Max cartoon, how they adapted that uh, was was just kind of like earth shattering for me at the time. Mm-hmm. So I always want to get that stuff out again. I love Sam Keith's work. Yeah. I always love when you find a book and you're like, you're just excited for the potential. Mm-hmm comics you're like this comics can do that (laughs) and it just gets you just so hyped up like I love that comics can be anything you can any style any story yeah oh man comics can do that and then I think we look (laughs) at it with it with the critical eye too as much as we might enjoy it we'll be like how did they do that Mm -hmm. how did they how did they draw that without drawing the lines and use the background instead of drawing the, the outside lines yeah things like this you know just different visual tricks and we're like just being magpies trying to steal all the good ideas (laughs) i always love it when it's it's a first issue or if it's a original graphic novel and you just sit down you're like like, just blows your socks off like you're like how where has this been like why has no one done this concept before like um there's a there's a comic that came out i think it was through boom but it might be idw called save yourself and it's it's very it's very like steven universe-esque and i read the first issue i'm like how did why does this not already exist like this is such a good premise and the way it's executed is so well done and like it's always fun uh when you get those like once a month like you don't like worry that uh, is it always gonna be the batman has to save gotham city from being blown up again like is there is there gonna be something else different this time mm-hmm. yeah yeah i have a couple of uh listener questions for you guys before mm-hmm. we kind of uh, wrap up uh the first one i have is what are some licensed properties you guys like to write and do the art on that you haven't been able to do yet? 
Mm. <laughs> that's a good question and they don't have to have comics already like you guys be like i just want to do this so like i could be the first one to make this comic or something mm. that's yeah i mean if we, the weird thing is if we were left to our own devices 100 percent, we would be doing our own stories exclusively i mean the only <laughs> thing i can think of is um the twerp thing but they're not licensed they're just a band yeah there's a <laughs> band we really like called twerp tupperware remix, remix party yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 and we'd love to pitch them a comic sometime yeah because it's just so fun like it, watching their stuff listening to their music i'm like this stuff writes itself we gotta do this but we just haven't made the time yet to do a pitch and and approach them with it but that yeah, would be that, like a more fun version of the kiss comics that are like the only get put out <laughs> right yeah nobody listening better take our idea it's ours you can't pitch to them yeah <laughs> we were we blew it oh no we showed our hand oh, no. <laughs> i'm not i guess i wouldn't be good at poker <laughs> no we'll see we'll, yeah. you know by the time we get around to actually making that pitch yeah. some they'll have already done it probably i mean mm, yeah we'll see we better hurry up yeah okay we're on that Boom. <laughs> and yeah, uh, yeah. I can think of. it's and so random. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I was like when you said twerp, I'm like, they don't they don't need Tupperware remix party, do they? That, that can't oh, they're be from right. our neighborhood. They're they're from Halifax next door to us here at the yeah. Maritimes. Yeah. That's where their origin story is. It's yeah. kind of wild to see. Like I remember when I first saw them, like it was just like a street video of them doing music, and then all of a sudden, uh, like full like music videos with great production value and stuff. Like it's been like two years, guys. How, this is fast. You're moving real fast. <laughs> oh yeah, they played. They did a lot. Like they were they were like a street performing band in Montreal and Toronto for like a decade before they started putting out stuff as much as they have now, like Ninja Sex Party. Mm-hmm. And then they went down to LA for a while and. They got the great animated videos and just mm-hmm. kind of blew up a bit there as yeah. far as that goes. Yeah. Someday, uh, yeah. hopefully we'll make a twerp comic. <laughs> and I will be like, I will be pre-ordering that comic as soon as I hear it announced. Like that, that, <laughs> that would be so much fun. Yeah. Oh, I can't wait. It just feels like such a good thing to have at their merch table or if yeah. we had at our convention table. It's like, oh man, how many bands have their own like floppy comic they can sell at their like indie band? yeah yeah not, not very many and if they do it's usually written by like one of the members <laughs> yeah right well okay well when this podcast comes out we'll at them <laughs> then they'll know we're out here yeah. Yeah, I'll, 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 just, I'll just link a ball and say hey twerp you need my wallet in this one yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, the next question I, I have for you guys is do you have a favorite classic cartoon and a favorite current modern cartoon comic or cartoon a cartoon because like as i assume like with your, you guys having kids and also just the mm-hmm. the art form that you guys play in with license uh stuff like you would have to watch a lot of cartoons i mean i definitely am a, am a huge fan of avatar the last airbender so good yeah so good and i i live and breathe by like classic looney tunes yeah looney tunes mm-hmm. are always a good thing to read <laughs> yeah yeah like the old stuff from the like 30s 40s and 50s and stuff like those are my yeah. best cartoons ever made in my opinion mm-hmm yeah those cartoons uh the older looney tunes kind of transcend to like generations because there's there's stuff that i didn't get as a as a kid when i watched them but i still laughed and then i me showing my nephew them now and he's like uh he was like he's like 10 or something like he is laughing at them but he's not getting the same jokes i wasn't getting but now i'm getting them because i'm an adult it's like oh this is multiple levels here oh yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah. and the animation is so good you like today's animation just doesn't do it the same way Mm -hmm. 
a lot stiffer compared to what they were doing then. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, there's just something, it, they're always funny. I yeah. can watch them a million times and I'm still laughing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And I guess it goes without saying too, like Sailor Moon for me. <laughs> but yeah. I don't know. I recently rewatched the deep dub and I was like, I'm going to have a few laughs, but it was so nostalgic. I'm like, it's just weird that I'm enjoying this, but I think it's nostalgia. It's not because it's good. It's Mm because of nostalgia. But um, yeah, yeah, I watched that recently. Yeah, I I feel that I felt the same way when I went back and rewatched Dragon Ball Z. I'm like, this is like, this is like 30 episodes of filler, but I'm having a great time, even though nothing's happening. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) It's like nostalgia is just kind of like filling in that um, it's not the greatest thing yeah but um yeah that dub was something back then (laughs) it was a time yep and the last question i have for you guys what what's next what do what are the next projects you guys are working on well we've got more regrets go in the pipeline yeah you're working on that yeah i've been spending this year uh working on a independent graphic novel of my own that I'm serializing on our Patreon. We have a, a, Patreon. a joint Patreon. Yeah. So we both update once a week, except yeah. I'm a little spotty because of my deadlines, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah, Troy yeah. is putting his new book up there. Yeah, Pegamoose yeah. Pals is our Patreon. And, and for three bucks, we are like doing twice a week updates. And I've been mm-hmm. serializing I've got about eight, uh, 67 pages of my new book up there mm-hmm. already, just for free downloads. And uh, I think early next year, Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll be doing a Kickstarter for a joint book that we've actually collaborated mm-hmm. on. We our, both... our first collaboration since yeah. we had our son. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. that's uh, it's gonna be a neat little sixty-page hardcover book that we did. We wrote together. We both drew half of the book, mm-hmm. and and then we were drawing on each other's pages as well. Yeah, that's exciting. Stuff, so it's a pretty cool little hybrid for sure. Yeah, yeah. We're ex- I'm excited to see it. Yeah. yeah, we were hoping to get it out this year, but unfortunately I couldn't get it done in the time yeah. that I took off from Agretzko and then Agretzko started rolling again on this new book that I'm doing currently. So we had to decide, it's like, do we want to cram it into this year and have it kind of suffer for that? Or do we just want to like come at it when we have the time to do it? So we decided to take take the time, do it right. Yeah. 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 If anybody's interested in, in that, like uh, our website's uh, pegamoosepress.com and you can just mm-hmm. sign up for our newsletter. There's free downloads for some of our comics uh, mm-hmm. and Gore Napkin uh, and Hulls of the Turnip King and some teaser stuff on there and some sample mm-hmm. pages. Yeah. But we'll also let you know, you know, when mm-hmm. we're running our next Kickstarters and yeah. stuff as well. We, we do want to hype this one a lot more than our last two Kickstarters because, yeah, we're new to Kickstarters and we had to figure out how they worked. Yeah. yeah. And then we're like, well, those worked good. We got yeah. our books made, but how do we like hype it and bring it next level for this yeah. new one? So we're hoping to do next level. And then we'll make sure people know, know about it. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. so thank you, Jesse, for helping us. Yeah. I love hearing that a project is about to get announced. So that means I, I have the opportunity to say, come on when it comes, it gets announced. I'm ready to go. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, uh, yeah, next spring we'll be talking to you again, I hope. And uh, uh, yeah, I love we'll to talk about that in more detail. Mm-hmm. And where can people find you guys on social media right now? Um, I'm most active on Instagram, uh, Brenda E. Hickey. Um, yeah, I'm on Instagram too as uh, Angora Napkin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then pegamoosepress.com for our our joint project, our publishing Kickstarter stuff. Yeah, and you can get, get our books and stuff off there. There's links to all that stuff. So. Yeah. And then I've got a personal website for myself called brendahickeycomics.com. 
Yeah. Your personal website, it's been cut off. Yeah, online. I gave up on so. that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just I just opted to use the Peg and Loose Press mm -hmm. as our as my I guess website now. Mm -hmm. Put all my comic stuff on there. Yeah. <laughs> Sweet. And all that will be out. Uh, make sure it'll be linked in the, the episode description too. Thank um, you very much. Appreciate yeah, no it. Problem. And you can find this show on Twitter at YComicsPod, and you can email me at YComicsPodcast at gmail.com. If you have a question for a guest and want to be a guest on the show yourself, or have a story about how comics impacted you that you want read on the on the episode, uh, feel free to reach out to me at any of those places. If you like the show, tell a friend and leave a review wherever you listen. Uh, logo is done by my, uh, my friend Andy Manley, who you can see working on The Simpsons. Uh, banner is done by my friend Steven. And the theme is Join the Restaurant by David Zetsi. And remember, everybody, Captain America also punched Nazis. And to become Captain America, he got a shot that no one knew was going to work, but we know these ones do, so please get your shots. Um, and that's all. Thanks, guys.